right. Hello. So, uh, we've, uh, we've talked for a bit, and, uh, we went on some tangents and finally decided we'll start recording the first episode. Right? I'm Eli. And I'm Ryan. Okay, that's good. And, uh, we're, we're It's good that I'm not another person. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Alright, we're gonna try to accomplish something now. Um, so basically... I like being me. <laughs> uh, so, anywho... Uh, so basically, this is a podcast about nations that we have created with their own history that are fictional. It's kind of like micronations, except the thing with micronations is like a lot of them are people saying, ha, my backyard's its own independent <laughs> state. Uh, no, this is us saying these don't exist in the real world, and we've basically outlined a whole history for it and written up some rules. Yeah, we've basically just uh, written our own alternate history scenarios where we take a point, obviously diverge it, and history ensues. Yes, so. it, history always ensues. Uh, Precisely. Uh, uh, what point does it not? <laughs> uh, so let's start with the rules. Uh, so our nation will be created and presented with near-omnipotent knowledge. The way I like to think of it is almost as if we're a history textbook. Even then, you wouldn't have omnipotent knowledge. But yeah, we just kind of figured if we wanted to be as detailed as possible or as great as possible, we would just have omnipotent knowledge because... Yeah, yeah, we know things that way. We don't have to go... And tragically, we'll never know. We don't know why. Roanoke. Well, I guess if I add something like the Roanoke Colony, I, I may not tell it because I'm too lazy to come up. So with yeah, basically, it's it's for the writer to decide who or like what's gonna be omnipotent. Because there's there's places in mind where I'm like, who knows what went on in that room that day? Yeah, yeah that yeah, <laughs> that, I, like something like that I understand would work better. Um, that was just rule one, and we're already taken. Minutes to get off rule one. This is great. Uh, history will be presented orally. Uh, there will be some visual aid. We'll figure something out with that. Uh, we might just like have a web page or something, yeah. or maybe a social media Our page. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Uh, a web <laughs> So, other small footnote nations can be created. Uh, say, for example, uh, like I want my country here. There's also a fake country that borders it. So, so like can... a byproduct of the divergence. So there's yeah. more that you can't just like. It's not just going to be your country that changes, of course, because your country changing also changes other things in history as well. So it, it's kind of like your your country is allowed to affect the history of the world, but there's yeah, another rule. Yeah, there's coming a rule up. basically that says it can't massively affect it. So basically, regional changes. Like let's say. Uh, like Sierra Leone doesn't become a country because of it. Uh, don't worry, we're not writing about Sierra. Oh no, Albania is gone. Oh no, <laughs> now you're making me wonder what happened to Albania. Why'd you pick that one? Jeez. Oh jeez, I just read one of my examples. Actually, is kind of Albania. <laughs> uh, so anyway, okay, I'm gonna try actually getting through this now. Nation must be a formal state between the years 1405 and 1850. I uh, I literally went to the very tail end there with mine. Nation can dr- transition from one formal state to another. So, for example, the kingdom of Yugoslavia becoming communist Yugoslavia. I know it wasn't directly to that. There's something in between there during World War II. Uh, no, like we said, no major altercations to world history. Like the Axis can't win World War II and stuff like that. Basically, like 
if like a world war happened, it's going to happen. Yeah. Like it's not going to be able to be like, hey, my country just decides, no, yeah, we're going to mediate this and nothing's going to happen because that's not, you know, you, you still got to have. You know, usually mediation happens and nothing actually happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look at the Oslo Accords and the. Precisely. Let's not get into that. Um, so altercations to certain regions are allowed. For example, Laos may become North and South Laos. Why did I, why did I pick Laos? Regional wars and conflicts are allowed. Economic and defensive coalitions are allowed. Periods of history will be presented in sections. So uh, this first episode is just kind of us outlining the rules. And uh, we'll be presenting uh, the historical precursor to our country. So it's technically not a country yet. It's basically like the, the pil- divergence like of the, the country. Pilgrims have settled, basically. Like, like we have the colonies, yeah. but it's not a country yet. Uh, then the next episode would be the nation's founding. Then 1815 to 1869. And then after that, it's basically just the decades. Uh, actually, no. No, it's not. <laughs> uh I also uh, am reading some typos I made here. So uh, the first uh, 1850 to 1869, uh, then 1870 to 1889, so like 20, nearly 30 years of history there. And then I wrote 1890 to 1889. <laughs> we go folks. back so, and yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going crazy. And then once we hit the 1900s, it does go by decades. So like... And uh, the l- only one that's not going to go by decade is the very end. I decided to do 2000 to 2019 as a 20-year section because, like, I feel like we could do a lot with it. But I also want to kind of, like, lump it all up because those are areas we've lived in. Yeah, that'd be... Like, so are we going to go into the future then or are we going to, like, stop? I guess we could, depending on what we want. I also really don't want to do 2020 with these... Nice. To say the least. Well, I don't want to. Not that we should ignore that part of history, but oh my gosh, I don't. It's kind of too. I think that's too would, early for that. The, I think. Be the most boring section, and nothing happened. Everybody was in their house. They sat there. <laughs> um, anywho, so uh, then we have some requirements. So nation must be at least some of it must have its history somewhat written down. Is preferred that history is known by its presenter and spoken, but some of the history may be read. Uh, that rule is just, uh, that's more for me and Ryan. <laughs> really, listeners have to worry about. Uh, yeah, don't pres- know, to, to watch, to he- listen to this podcast, you have to know the history oh, yeah, of yeah. our country uh, before have, we even tell it to you. You have, have to know. Quizzes. Um, so, presenter must have at least three visual aids, a map, a flag, coat of arms. Uh, again, still figuring that out. Uh, so, here's some elements that have to be documented. Location of country, geography, cities, population, wildlife, natural resources, economy, History of national formation, heads of state, form of government, foreign relations, political history, military, conflicts, law enforcement, culture. In a decade-long period, at least 18 pieces of history must be presented. We don't really have to worry about that part, I don't think, for a while, considering we're going through 20-year sections and apparently going back in time. (laughs) All right, so we're actually going to get started now. Uh, Ryan uh, will begin with his. Um, So... uh, that? that was the chord. That, that sounded cool. Like I thought you just queued up a sound effect somehow. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Sounds less cool now. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Ryan, uh, just a quick warning before I present mine. I uh, I did 
do some stuff in another language and I uh, don't know the pronunciations that well. I tried to learn mine too, man, and I think I got it, but I don't know. Okay, I'm going to hear this because you <laughs> picked a much harder language. To, so we, we do know a little bit about each other's history, but for the most part, this is our first time hearing about it. Like, we basically know the the basis of it, but uh, we'll be. Yeah, uh, Ryan, uh, start reading. Okay. This easy for me. So here's here's the section i titled it new beginnings and it is from 1519 to 1521 so i think i should maybe have some precursor here. yeah yeah you probably want some precursor <laughs> because i kind of just start um so my whole scenario my whole divergence is about what if the ottomans tried to colonize australia now in reality Australian history, or Australia as like a nation, only started fairly recently in like the 1790s, the back end of the 17th century, 18th century. It's a really surprisingly developed country for like... Yeah, I would say um, everything except like their population, which is kind of catching up now, but it it has, it is basically free reign. Um, Another thing is it's not like one of those countries where they have to really worry about like a lack of population density where like they basically have a ton of area they can move in on. Yeah, especially since all those old world diseases kind of really good at wiping out natives. Not that I condone that. It's just scientific. You, you condone the disease. How do you condone a disease, <laughs> Ryan? Um <laughs> Yes, acts of God. Um, <laughs> Insurance doesn't cover it, man. Well, sometimes they do. Well, I mean, they don't cover acts of God, man. Well, well they can in certain situations, like. Okay, explain. Well, like hurricanes, no, they're not going to cover that. But like lightning strikes a tree per se, and it falls on your house, and that that is yeah. covered. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. My dad works for State Farm, Ryan. My mom's an underwriter for Farm Bureau. Oh. <laughs> oh, mm. but I mean, I guess yours. I'm not sure we can do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think yours is more in depth because you kind of know like the requirements for, for like, policies. Where I just know like if it can be a policy or not. <laughs> All right, this is a podcast about history. Not is your house covered? Uh, <laughs> if I got that wrong, my dad is gonna be <laughs> no, no, wrong. He's gonna disown you. <laughs> State Farm has paid for my meals for the last uh, few years. Quite grateful for them. They're pretty cool. They have that Jake guy. He's he's neat. Does he actually exist? Well, the people are kind of mad about the Jake guy because usually State Farm has uh, actual State Farm agents in the commercial. Oh, and the original Jake was, was a real was State a guy Farm? from a call center. Oh, but the new Jake is an actor. So so. A call center, why wouldn't they actually use like an actual agent for that? Because uh, it was about, hey, we'll give you service at any time. Because uh-huh. it was like, hey, it's a late night call. Ha ha. Uh, yeah, agents don't take late night calls. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. You know, I thought these tangents would be in control. Read. Read. Okay. Okay. So, yes, that's what it's about. Uh, the Ottomans colonized Australia. So, here we go. Sultan Semil I sent an expedition by sea to China. He believed the route by sea would be cheaper and quicker. The expedition was headed by Captain Kafer. Kafer was given three Spanish galleons supplied by the Sultan. The Sultan bought the galleons from Emperor Charles V. 
Charles wanted an ally to challenge Portuguese naval supremacy and felt the Turks would prove useful for now. On the 18th of February, 1519, the ships began to be supplied. The voyage departs from Safaga on the 3rd of May. The voyage started off extremely well, with Kefir riding the coast of the Arabian Peninsula for a few days. The voyage took a turn for the worst when one of the ships, one of the ship hands, forgot to drop the anchor for the night. As Captain Kefir awoke before everyone else as usual, he left his quarters and sat on the deck in the morning fog. For a while, he sat there in silence, and it wasn't until the sun forced the fog to recede he realized they were not simply rocking back and forth but instead were drifting. He frantically searched for land in the distance and saw none. He retreated into his quarters to grab his compass, which was crushed during the night by his hourglass. Incompetence. Why does he need an hourglass? That is to tell the time, my guy. Well, yeah, but you gotta think, oh, I think my hourglass is about to run down. I gotta run back down and... Wait, so he got to the Arabian Peninsula, right? He rode. He rode the Arabian coast out, right? Because so that's that's would, all would they did. Did he also have to go around Africa, though? No, because at this point they had Egypt. Oh yeah, yeah. The Ottoman so Safaga is in Egypt. I was so. legit thinking to myself, oh, the Saudis aren't gonna like that. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Safaga is that it's right, it's right like at the bottom of what was Egypt, the Egyptian yeah, territory yeah. for the Ottomans. And so he rides the Arabian Peninsula out, and obviously that's how most of the time uh, voyages were made. They were riding the coast because, oh, deep ocean is scary, which, I mean, with their ships, it was it was really scary for them because they didn't really have this way to go in a direction that they knew. So in reality, if a ship hand forgot to drop anchor for the night, that would be devastating. Or if their if they're, uh, navigation devices were broken, devastating. They would have, like, no way except for the stars to come back from that but the fog the, f- the deadly fog the, the deadly fog oh it's all the fog's fault kefir awakened the crew without a means of navigation while the sun is still up see i, I addressed this th- during it they steered to where they thought was northeast to find a shoreline again in the panic they accidentally started heading southeast they spend weeks going southeast and eventually hit land on the 25th of june they quickly realized that they had not arrived in China by the red dirt and savannah. <laughs> You're telling me there's red dirt and savannah in China? No, I just have this image in my head of them hitting land. Oh, the Chinese desert. <laughs> Praise the Gobi me. Desert. Come on, man. That's the, a, there's the, deserts, but I guess it's inland China. Get into, that'd be funny. Like, <laughs> or there's like a desert that just hits the ocean. <laughs> I guess that kind of is Australia when you think about it. That and Antarctica, because technically well, yeah, it's a tundra a, is a desert. Yeah, but lacking sand and populated <laughs> by a bunch of birds that are useless. Wow, you're just going to come at penguins like that? What? You think I do I'm, agree. Puffers are better. Puffins. Puffins are better. They can fly. Exactly. And, and they make the... I remember uh, at the zoo when I grew up, they... Uh, they would have signs that say, uh, no puffin at the zoo. <laughs> there was this uh, picture of a puffin with a cigarette wow. in its mouth. Wow. I had the the beanie baby puffin. That's why puffins are cooler than oh, penguins. Okay. Yeah. It was. A, I don't think I ever knew what a puffin was called, though. I was like probably 10 because I always knew. They're those birds that look like yeah. penguins. 
it was only when our school district started using the Puffin web browser that I knew what Puffins were called. <laughs> I'm sorry, the what? The, there was a web browser that's called Puffin. And I think they used it because it was like what, what, cheaper like or something. Blockers or, or something like that, probably. And it, it, I guess easier for them to navigate or something. We, I think they paid extra to do it, too. We used Google Chrome. Oh, that's kind of cringe. You didn't have a bird? <laughs> no, we didn't have a bird. You All had a right. weird circle thing. Yeah, let's go back to the circle that is Australia. It's not a circle. Just talk about <laughs> Australia. Okay, here we go. Kafir decided that in order to survive, they will need to build shelter. Over the course of three more weeks, Kafir and his crew built makeshift houses for all crew members. Without knowing where they were, they decided the best course of action was to wait. Kafir decided that since they would not be using the galleons anymore, they would disassemble two for more wood. On the third, he sends a quarter of his men to ride the coastline of this new land to find out more about it. He puts a second-in-command, Aga, in charge. They depart on their expedition on the 24th of July. Back at the palace, Sultan Semel I had sent an expedition up the Silk Road to find out what happened to Kafir. When they returned, they informed the Sultan that Captain Kafir had never arrived. The Sultan consults the Spanish to see if they would send out a search party. The Spanish ambassador returns to the palace with bad news. Charles V has decided that they are most likely dead and would not waste the time to search for them. <laughs> Sorry, that's funny to me. That, like, Charles V is... All right, so, sir, we have that... You remember that expedition we funded? Yes? Well, it seems they've gone missing. Oh, well, they're probably dead. <laughs> I mean, they fell off the earth, probably. Yeah. We don't want our guys falling off the earth, and then we just have an ever-ending cycle. What, what do you want us to tell the Turks? That he's dead. <laughs> Aga returns with items he traded with the natives, including boomerangs. The most important item Aga traded was for... This is... This is, is, it, is it typo. A, is it a didgeridoo? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's actually more food and hunting expertise. Oh. Using the plants that they got from the aboriginals, Aga started a farm, which included ribbery, wargeal greens, yams, and moon trees. What, what is, what's that first one you said? Ribbery. What is ribbery? It's a berry. It's, it's a berry. It's ribbery. <laughs> oh, is it ribberry? Yeah, it's oh. R.I. berry. Oh, oh, okay. I, I thought, like, they're growing ribs. <laughs> Out of the ground. <laughs> oh, the pig plants. <laughs> oh, oh, man. We're saved. We will, yeah, yeah. Kefir decides to continue building up their camp, naming it Anka Kusu Uksai. That's how I think it's pronounced, at least. D- that's better than I would have said it. <laughs> oh, my. So, you know, Turkish is not a language I want to try learning. <laughs> it's probably come in useful, but like th- th- to what? Go to Tur- Turkey? <laughs> okay, fair point. I don't want to go to Turkey. <laughs> They're the only, I guess. Uh, I guess the Turkic like step nations have maybe like a variation of it, but I'm pretty sure they use more like what a, countries the Russian that, script. Script. What countries would that be? Would some Balkan ones use it? No, um, I know Northern Cyprus oh, uses it because they're we're like we're recognizing a, Northern Cyprus now. We have to. It's a. It's a thing. I'm not. I'm not saying it deserves to be a thing. Yeah. I don't have a stance on that. I just know it's I, a thing. I, I just know like it's. 
when I was looking through where like the U.S. has like ambassadors, that's one. It says does not recognize. <laughs> uh, so well, I, I think we'll go with the State Department and uh, not recognize. I do it. not. I will not uh, comment on the existence of Northern Cyprus. Let's hope we don't bring up Catalonia. Jeez. <laughs> A year has passed. Had passed. And the sultan had not sent anyone to try to find Kafir. Kafir decided that within a year, they will send some men back to the homeland. By this time, the outpost had grown significantly. There was a mosque at the center, and beside it was the town hall. The rest of the outpost consisted of residential areas and the farm. The Turks had resorted to a proto-communist way of life. Since there was no money or pre-established hierarchy, Kafir attempted to meet everyone's needs. He had lost. He had only lost five men, and so far, and that was five men too many. What did the Aborigines think of this? Well, they settled in a place where there actually wasn't any. Wait, so, well, how do you get the food then? The the, the expedition man. Oh yeah, that <laughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, in in reality, the Aboriginals were pretty hostile to anyone who tried to settle Australia. Um, but they settled in. The little little tip at the bottom. Oh, so and there's like, no actual tribes there. Like the one, like that's basically parallel to what um, Tasmania. Yeah, where Tasmania did yeah, Tasmania like break off from Australia? When you think about, like, I, well, here's here's another drift. thing that I I've, I found. Right, I'm pretty sure they're on the same tectonic plate, but that I don't know. But uh, when the Aboriginals came to Australia, the sea level was lower. Oh, so there was like not a land bridge. They but still had to sail, but it was way closer to the Asian continent. Like, um, so I'm pretty sure that Tasmania was actually connected by a land bridge at that point. Okay. All right. Um, it was a peninsula. Perhaps. The Tasmanian peninsula. Those tigers still be alive if they had that. <laughs> so I still don't get why they called those things tigers. They look like a real funky looking... Tiger. I thought they were Tasmanian devils. No, no. The... The, the thylacine. Oh. That, that, um, which was like this wolf that was a marsupial that like went extinct in the Oh, 30s. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's real interesting because they actually have footage of it. And people still think it's alive. You like, probably could breed it to come back. Cause how? With genetic modification. Oh, that. Did you hear? So there was this species of goat in Europe and it was like the last of its species so they put it in a preserve, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure, to stop it. Well, well it died. Do you, oh. do, do you want to guess how? Did it eat itself? No. What? I don't know. You said guess how. I, I just That was the craziest thing I could think of. Oh, well, I wish that's how it was. That'd be a lot more interesting than what I'm about to say. A, a tree fell on it. Oh, that's just unfortunate. Can you imagine that? Like, oh, man, got to stop those poachers, those coyotes from getting that goat. It just... Yeah, no, I would. That suck. Like you spend all those resources, all that money, all that well, logistics trying. Well, they brought to it back to life. Up. Oh, they did. Well, it suffocated. But they because its lungs didn't work. Okay, so Which, did they like? How did they bring it back to life? I, I don't know. I, I read this in a popular <laughs> science magazine when is I was it? in seventh grade. <laughs> I, mean, I, I wasn't too invested. All I know is a goat died in oh, this way. That's it. Okay. All right. Let's see if this goat is alive in uh, your <laughs> colony now. <laughs> So, here we go. 1520, August. Dawn is breaking. Everyone has been, everything has been leading up to this moment, thinks Aga. 
Aga is leading the voyage home and has been giving the same men that accompanied him on his expedition around the island. They are to take the last galleon, the only thing at this point connecting Anakusu Ulksai to the outside world. Aga departs. The galleon has supplies that should last around two months. Aga's journey is much less hectic than the maiden voyage. He is determined to make it home. The first land he sees is India. From this point, all Aga needs to do is ride the coast. He makes it to Baghdad. From that point... Wait, 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 wait. wait. Baghdad? In Iraq. From the sea? Yeah, it's close to the coast. You didn't know. Oh. I always said, well, actually, yeah, now that I think about it, isn't it on a river or something? That, like, All right, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's by one. Like an inlet? It's by one. <laughs> that, that, that whole war should have got over pretty quick now that I... <laughs> From this point, he docks and goes to the nearest government office. He uses the remaining silver to convince the governor that he was from the failed expedition. From there, the governor brings wagons for Aga to transfer all of his stuff to... And get... What was I trying to say? Transfer all of his stuff and gets a crew to repair the damaged galleon until further notice from the sultan. Aga and his men are sent to Istanbul. Which, if you didn't know, the Turks actually didn't call it Istanbul they until they mer- moved it to, moved the capital to Ankara. They called it like Constantine. Uh, yeah, because we have that whole Constantinople-Istanbul thing. Yeah. But that's like a recent development because they didn't change it to Istanbul until Mustafa Kemal Ataturk moved the capital to Ankara. Ah, yes. um, Mustafa. You know him? (laughs) Yeah, uh, big fan. I probably shouldn't say that. No, he's he's a a cool guy. I I know. I'm just afraid he's going to be like, it's like you're going to tell me he's the guy in charge of the Armenian genocide or something. No, 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 no. no. He was at Gallipoli, so there was no way he could be part of the Armenian genocide. Well, that's what the Turks would like us to believe. Okay, man, you you okay. I'm going to stop now. <laughs> You're trying to make the podcast really a lot of enemies right now. Oh, um, yeah, our Turkish <laughs> audience is so mad, but we've really appealed to the RPG. Hey, dude, I, I kind of want some kebabs later and some donut, so if you could stop talking, that'd be good. Here we go. They got to the palace on the evening of November 5th, 1520. They present all the new items they got from Anakusu Ulksai and ask the sultan to develop the outpost into something more. The sultan was enraged when the Spanish refused to search for his men, so during the past year has been developing the Ottoman navy using secrets his spy took his spies took from the Spanish. Oh, he, at first you said he was using secrets to make the, <laughs> like, what? Ottoman intellectuals have been innovating on old designs. Better sails and a lighter frame have been so far achieved. Like the triangular sail? Perhaps. They the call this new design. Sail. They call this new design <laughs> Deniz Kuzi. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. I, I tried At to this learn. point, I think you should just butcher it and move <laughs> on. So far, there has been only three Denin's Cruci constructed. The Sultan retired to his room on the evening of November 5th, 1520, only to be quickly interrupted. Suleiman was aggravated that he cannot get a moment of peace. But his advisor quickly states it's Aga from the Chinese exhibition. 
The song quickly rises, ecstatic to finally get answers. He sits on his throne, expecting most of the crew, and when he sees that it's only a quarter of the men his predecessor sent last year, he gets nervous. Aga unveils the wonders of the new land he calls Anakusu Ulksai. The sultan was not impressed. Seeing these fruits and vegetables didn't really equate the cost of the expedition. Should should have brought the rib plant. <laughs> the, the, the pig plant, yeah. Oh, I guess that really wouldn't work in the Ottoman Empire now that I think. Oh, no, no. We're getting this. We're getting this. Wait, what? <laughs> Is this like the, like, what, Sepoy Rebellion thing? Uh, uh, we're getting We're, we're going, man. Are pork. We're, we're, we're going. <laughs> Aga explains that these plants have developed to grow in harsh, dry, and hot environments, which grabs the Sultan's attention. The sultan sends the food to his leading botanist to study, and before he can dismiss Aga, Aga explains what happened and the fact that there is still people there. He talks about the outpost, the natives, and the farm. The sultan is intrigued but doesn't answer. Aga's plea to send more... (laughs) You know know exactly what I said. (laughs) He doesn't answer Aga's plea to send more resources. He sends the crew away and starts debating with his advisors. By morning, an official decree had been drafted. Flyers were hung up that told the poor to gather in their local town halls. All non-Turks were sent away. A program has been started by the Sultan to clean up the cities of Anatolia. The poorest people are to be deported to Anka Ulke. I, dang it, I wasn't looking at it. Uh, Anka Kusu Did you mean to tell me that the poor actually came to this? Yes. Like, banners were put up say, hey, just come on, come talk <laughs> off. Actually, now that I luck. think about it, the literacy rate was really bad. So, so, so You probably had some guy there so we get in a potluck or something. Nope, you're being deported <laughs> to Australia. <laughs> you win the cash prize. <laughs> Jackpot. <laughs> Free stylus <laughs> and uh, what are those things called with the beads? I know it's on the tip of my stuff. Uh, and I think with the abacus, abacus, those things. you want an abacus? Aren't you happy? You can't <laughs> now, you could <can> do math, <laughs> but you still can't read. <laughs> are to be deported to Anka Kusu Ulksai and will be living in federal authorized residencies until the voyage departs. It is May 1521. There is a slight southeastern breeze. Five Deniz Cruzi stocked with supplies and some 100,000 impoverished Turks accompanied by soldiers and Aga's crew are on them. Aga walks onto the flagship. He has been... Uh, am I making that noise? I, I think so. But I, I think you are by holding the mic. Okay. My bad. If you just... Like, I'm just gonna... Just I'm bad. just gonna do this. <laughs> has been given direct orders by the Sultan to depart to Anka Kusu Uksai and return once supplies, the Turks, and some soldiers have been dropped off. Ekmel is the captain of these soldiers. His orders are to make sure the transfer goes well and the Turks remain loyal to the Sultan. The voyage has some false alarms, but other than that, they get to Anka Kusu Uksai. Aga meets with Kafir and explains the new orders. Kafir is now the governor of the outpost and will be given one of the Deniz Cruzi if he needs to go back to Anatolia. Other than that, he is now on his own for 20 years when another expedition will return to check progress. 
The supplies are unloaded, and four remaining Den- Deniz Kruji depart. Kafur starts immediately with the integration of these newcomers to the society. For the time being, most of them will remain on the boat while new houses are being built. With all these new supplies and workforce, construction goes swimmingly. It takes an odd six months to finish the expansion. All the while, the farm has been expanded. With a population of now around 100,900 people, Kafir's laissez-faire attitude needs to change. A new approach must be taken. And that was New Beginnings. All right. Uh, I think I'll take off from there. What year did that that part of that end? Uh, I think it was 1521. All right. Uh, so uh, I'll be picking up um, uh, in 1656. Oh, that's not that much time at all. Oh, yeah. Only a, a century. <laughs> uh, that's 154 years. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <coughs> I probably did that math wrong, but <laughs> I kind of forgot what you said. Anyway, all right, so uh, my country is uh, founded uh, through what were the Latvian colonies. Uh, so Latvia uh, was part of the Lithuanian-Polish Commonwealth. Wow, you just butchered that. It's the P-L-C, the Polish-Lithuanian Oh, the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. <laughs> the fact that Lithuania is in there is just a... Uh, they had a lot of land, actually. They did. That yeah, was yeah. Huge. It was it was it was amazing. So uh, anyway, so basically there were there's a duchy, which is it's basically part of the Commonwealth, but on its own, uh, called Coraland, and that is uh, modern day Latvia. And they actually had quite a expansive trading empire, and uh, they uh, managed to colonize uh, Gambia in Africa. And when you say expansive, are we talking? Bigger than the Dutch East Indies? No, no. I mean, like, a very big trading fleet. Okay. Okay. Like, uh, they managed to expand to Gambia, where they got slaves, of course. Um, Not cool. Not cool. Thank you for pointing that out, Ryan. <laughs> uh, you've been educated. Yay. Uh, so uh, then they uh, colonized Trinidad and Tobago or Tobago. Tobago? Tobago? Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's basically uh, the one in South America is where our story picks off. So basically, uh, this colony was actually going pretty well. I think there were 20,000 Latvian-speaking colonists there at Ooh, the time, which is quite nice. And uh, 4,000 slaves. Oh, not nice. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, in real life, uh, Sweden invaded the Commonwealth and uh, took Coraland. And uh, Jakob, who was in charge of... Was that the... During the Great Northern War? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, so Jacobs, who was in charge of the duchy, uh, sold the colony to the Dutch in real life. But uh, so in my oh, little... Oh, that's why the Dutch heads. Ah. Yeah, yeah, that's why they have Surin. Well, that's not why they have Suriname. I, I'm pretty sure they already had that. Uh, they already had that? Yeah, uh, like Suriname and French Guyana were already there. Yeah, no, I, 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 I figured that. I was just surprised that they had like Caribbean islands in the first place. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a kind of a rush for him because Trinidad and Tobago had been like nicknamed the Island of Despair because nice. there have been so many failed attempts <laughs> that's at it. Metal. Like, they, <laughs> that's metal. That's metal, right? That's, more, that's metal, yeah. <laughs> so Coraland actually didn't like get it properly colonized till their third attempt. Ah. Ooh. Which, like it took a span of like 20 years. I'm wow. Sure, finally. So anyway, but in my world, Jacob uh, makes a deal with uh, the Dutch, Holland, what, whatever they are at this point. I was too lazy to check. 
I think they're I think they're the Netherlands at this point. Yeah, I think they're, they're the United uh, Dutch Republic. And, and I like think that. at some point I'm doing this. They do that weird break off where they change their name completely for ten years. What? <laughs> yeah, they were called someone else. Like uh, I don't know. And they I think it was one of the time. It's a real weird flag. United is it? What, what does it look like? <sighs> is it orange? Orange, white, and blue. It has some orange in it. Orange, but white, it, and blue. It's kind of like the typical red, white, and blue one. But, but there's orange. like there's a yeah with some orange in this emblem in the middle. Oh, are you are you sure that that's not just the it their could be trading the coat company? Of arms. Pretty sure that's just their trading company because that's the one that ran the Dutch East Indies for the longest that time. That could be. Uh, anywho, so basically in 1656, the Karelian colony in uh, Trinidad and Tobago fails. So uh, we got some problems here. So uh, Jacob reaches an agreement with Holland to set Ooh. up a joint colony because he doesn't like the Swedish. And yeah, of you, course. Like, if your homeland is invaded by somebody, I, you tend yeah. not to like them. <laughs> Darn Swedes. Uh, okay, man. I want meatballs later, too. You keep ruining all my food yeah, choices. Like, people in Sweden are listening. <laughs> uh, so, anywho, uh, so they set up this joint colony because he wants influence to remain in um, South America so, for the Latvians. So, with the with the joint colony, is it just that they pool resources? Or are they still getting paid to like let them come on? So what's, what's like what's the deal with that? Essentially, they provide resources, but the catch is if they have Dutch settlers, the Dutch will help. If they have ah. Latvian settlers, well, basically, Coraland's no good at this point. So, so Jacob actually pretty much scammed the Dutch <laughs> for the most part because he's like, yeah, we know how to colonize this area. So uh, the colony set up in uh, Suriname for a few years, the remaining mm-hmm. 20,000. And uh, that, was, that was going good. And they formed what is called the New Dutch and Latvian-speaking colonists in f- 1657. Uh, That's the name of the, <laughs> the colony? It's pretty long. Like the group. Well, we abbreviate it as the ND ampersand LSC. Oh, this is going to be hard to remember. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, so anyway, so uh, in 1661, uh, Coraland... Uh, meets with uh, the Dutch trying to figure out what the final plans for the colony is because they don't really want them to stay in Suriname because mm. it's it's Dutch. They want it to be Latvian for the most part. That's the big idea is eventually they can diverge and probably form their independent state. Uh, well, uh, everything's going fine in Suriname until slave revolt in December of 1663. Is that like historical? No. But it is to this scenario. Yes, to this scenario, yes. So is this the Latvian slaves or the Dutch slaves? This would or? be the Gambian ones. Oh, so the ones from the Latvians, okay. Yeah, uh, so that didn't go well. So the Dutch uh, decide, uh, hey, we're going to get you out of Suriname. We don't want you and your slaves ruining things. So they sent the NDLSC to southern Venezuela. Ooh, and it, wow. I, in February 1665. But wasn't that still part of like Grand Colombia? I, I looked that up, and it was kind of hard. Or New hard. Spain, maybe? I think it was por- uh, Spain at what, the time. What, what, uh, what it time is it? It was either Spain or Portugal. It's 1665. 1665. I think that's still New Spain. Okay. Because I don't think the revolutions happened until, like, the French Revolution. Well, the thing is about this ND and LSC is they're not technically Dutch or Latvian. Because, ah. Uh, so there's mm. no threat of a foreign power allowing them to colonize in this area. And this is, like, the jungle. Pretty nice. <laughs> so, like, trying to tame this area is actually in the Spanish interest, I'd say. Oh. So, uh, they do that, send them there, and uh, Latvian and Dutch officials meet in Amsterdam to outline the future, because right now it's really in the air. So, uh, the settlers arrive in Venezuela in June of 1666, and in January of 1666, they failed to properly set up. Oh. Because it's the jungle. 
and things aren't good. So basically now what this did is it created a lot of class division. Yeah. So basically you had all these Latvians who were basically relocated, lost a good amount of their wealth, has created uh, a lot of division between the Dutch who are much more control a lot more of the land, but the uh, Latvians actually outnumber them. Oh, that's not good. But you don't want that. The Dutch have more power. So uh, Latvian settlers' wealth had dwindled over the years as a, revolt, as a result ugh, of Latvian settlers becoming mostly farmers and trappers. Uh. So Latvians were much more capable of living off the land and independent compared to the Dutch elite. This is uh, kind of important for this So part. were the Dutch just like administrating at this point or what were they doing? Uh, they were running like uh, farms and essentially plantations at this point. Oh. But the problem was these farms were only good enough to be sustainable for them to survive. Oh, oh, wow, okay. So uh, the ND and LSE isn't making a profit for ah. like the Dutch or the Latvians. Um, so uh, Latvian Orthodox Church members had also become highly opposed to slavery following the revolt in Strainam. So uh, Andris Janssen, a middle-class Orthodox trapper who was Latvian, began a boycott refusing to do business with any slaveholding business or family. Others followed suit, and Janssen began leading the movement. Dutch store owners and farmers joined the movement after being convinced by Dmitry Kalnitz, one of the few wealthy Latvian colonists. Armed Dutch colonists occupied the church out of retaliation. Oh, that's not going to go well. Oh, no, it's not. Uh, so uh, armed fighting begins because wow. between uh, those led by Janssen and Dutch slaveholders led by Levi Van Milton. T to be honest, at times I wish I made this more predominantly Dutch because that is so much easier to pronounce <laughs> than Dmitry Kalnis, which has a weird thing over the S. I'm probably saying that wrong, but who cares? Latvians probably do. <laughs> uh, so Latvians quickly removed the Dutch from outside the church because uh, the idea was they didn't want to go into the church because they figured we'll be in real trouble if we do that. So were there like people in the church or? No. It's just well, like they actually, would be mad. Uh, there was a priest inside the church, uh, but or ah. whatever they call him in orthodoxy. I'm not too familiar with it. Uh, so they left him. Got clogged there. Uh, ah. So they left him uh, in the church. And basically, so the Dutch are like, we'll just stay out here. Ah. Well, they got shot. Uh, so that didn't go well. So uh, and then the Latvians set up a perimeter around the village because mm. most of the trading was done by the Latvians who would come into town, so they mm -hmm. let Latvians in, and Dutch store owners owned it, and they were actually supporting the Latvians. Oh, yeah, okay. So Because uh, it was just like the elite that were against like, it. And most plantations yeah. and farms basically were no good now. Uh, so uh, word gets to uh, Holland and uh, Coraland, and they're like, okay, so we're just going to ban slavery now. But Coraland is still under Sweden at this point, right? Oh, yeah, but they still have a say with Holland. Oh. About how this works. So basically, oh. since it's not technically owned by either of them, it's no threat to Sweden. Okay. And no colonists had left Latvia. Okay. Uh, yet. Yet. So uh, slavery is banned in, 16, in 1670. So the ND and LSC migrate colon to northern Venezuela, but they uh, travel more west okay. to do so. And uh, 1675 in September... British merchant Jacob Tibbing discovers a new island off the coast of Ecuador. This island does not exist in real life. Oh. Um, uh, Tibbing, however, doesn't claim the land for the British because his fleet was predominantly Dutch. So and the Dutch are helping out these Latvians, the English. They're just like yeah, helping everybody This else. was more of a private venture, ah. however, but also the, the Dutch on the ship are like, 
uh, you're not even going to name this thing <laughs> or we will hurt you. <laughs> wow. So, so this island doesn't even have a name and it kind of stays quiet, actually. Uh, so uh, Latvia and Holland hear about this because Dutch mm-hmm. in March 1677 and agree to have the ND and LSE lay claim to the island, which Spain, wow. this doesn't pose a threat to Spain because there's smaller island change means they have possession of and this is, again, not a foreign power, technically. Okay. So uh, Latvia, Coraland, in July of 1677, decides to send settlers in four waves from Coraland. Because at this point, they're afraid of the fact that the Latvians are kind of going to go down the ethnic chain. Like, Dutch are going to outnumber them. Yeah. Or they're going to have, like, combined... Uh, oh, that's not no super. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so they decide Britain partners in providing passage to the island because this is kind of also their thing. Hey, Spain, the British are involved, the Dutch are ah. involved, and Britain and the Dutch aren't exactly in the best of terms right now. So they're like, yeah, Spain's like they'll just hurt each other. So uh, Britain partners in this in January of 1678, and in April 1682, the ND and LSE is beginning their. Journey over. Now, uh, do you remember that guy? Remember that guy? Uh, Dimitri? Yeah, Dimitri. Well, no, not Dimitri. Uh, his friend, uh, Andres Janssen, ah, decides Janssen. to lead, and they've packed up, and they're ready to head to the coast of uh, what would be Colombia okay. to sail. Uh, well, he begins. They're all partnered up and ready to go, and he's leading the charge on his horse. Yells, tally-ho, to which his horse then trips. He is hurled forward and breaks both his arms and collarbone. I can see that there's not utter, there's not a lack of utter incompetence in yours. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> the, that'd no. be sad if it was just mine. This is a bunch of Europeans in the jungle, Ryan. <laughs> this isn't going well at all. Uh, so uh, things didn't go well from the start. Uh, Jensen actually miraculously survived. Whoa. And this is incredible. However, without the use of his arms. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, his collarbone actually supposedly healed. Oh. We're, can't be sure, though. No, we sure. do. <laughs> Could change the course of history if it was. Uh, so, uh, however, the Indian LSC lose a quarter of colonists making their way to the rendezvous. Okay. Uh, not from falling off their horses. Uh, so, in January of 1683, the Indian LSC meet up with a first wave of Latvian-speaking colonists because they've been sent ahead. Oh, okay. To meet with them, and they're there. And the Dutch actually did not know that, uh, hey, more Latvians are arriving. They didn't know. They did not. But the thing huh. was, uh, most of the Latvians who had been with them learned to speak Dutch. Okay. And uh, the Dutch, however, did not learn to speak Latvian for whatever okay. reason. But now That's dangerous. Latvian <laughs> was the predominant language. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, on April 1683, they finally make landfall on the southeastern part of the island. I wish I had the map to show you, but it'll do. So, and uh, Jonsmats is the first settlement established in the Jons Bay. Uh, I think that means, literally translates to new settlement in, nice. uh, in uh, Latvian. That's creative. And I'm not going to lie, most of the towns <laughs> I've named are basically mish- mi- mishmashing Dutch and Latvian. Ooh. So, it's, it looks a bit weird. And uh, so, that happened in May 1683, and they decide to diverge, and in July 1683, Shama becomes the second settlement. It's a bit more inland. Uh, so, in November of 1683, uh, Latvian Orthodox settlers had figured, you know what, uh, we, we're going to set up on our own because we want a Latvian state. So, they, uh, there's a small island kind of off, not by just a mile or so, 
and they name it font, and it's uh, predominantly. Uh, so this is like an island chain. This is like. No, not precisely. Uh, archipelago. This big island with these little like surrounding islands at the tip. Kind ah, of. okay. And those are settled. So the colonists eventually decide to cover more ground because the island has never technically been surveyed. Oh no! <laughs> so no one has actually gone far inland. That's okay. And there's some very weird estimates about the size. Okay. So uh, we're not going to say the size because we can't be sure yet. Oh, okay. And mainly because I need to look it up. <laughs> so uh, anywho, they decide to split into four groups to establish more settlements. Uh, so uh, Vilka is established in March of 1686, and it becomes the first exclusively Dutch settlement. Oh. And uh, the area they're in right now is kind of this less of a plains, like kind of a plains, more of a rocky kind of hilly area. Ah, for the most part, Sequin Hills. <laughs> yeah, kinda. Except with water next to an ocean. Water hills? <laughs> no, it's next to the ocean. Oh. <laughs> right. So like, the more you mean inland, waves. <laughs> so in the southeast part of the country, the more uh, inland you are on this area, it becomes more wooded, okay. forested. So uh, this is kind of what happens. So five thousand independent British settlers arrive. Uh, with the blessing of the NDNLSC. He, and they arrive at Jan's Mats, and a second wave of Latvian settlers arrive on the northern coast of the island. So now there's three different ethnic groups here. Yes, or correct. Or na- nationalities, But the British are groups. very minuscule compared okay. to the rest. So uh, one thing I want to note is on the southeast end, we have one set of the colonists, uh, and on the north, we have a new set. And the north okay. and the south are actually fairly far apart. Uh-huh. Uh, so these two actually haven't met and word didn't reach until two months later that, Hey, oh. there's other people now. So, uh, they arrive on the North coast of the Island in November of 1690. And in April of 1691, the second wave creates Patravuma, which is mm-hmm. my favorite name to say as their first colony. I forget what I translated it to. It's like combination of something. And, Oh, we, can, we can make it through. Oh, we're running a bit long on time, but who cares? We're having fun. Uh, so independent British settlers uh, create the Mears Settlement in the southeast. So this is the first settlement to really expand mm-hmm. in the woods. Oh. So they okay. see this as a real good opportunity, and they set up a number of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's one called Stanley, another uh, one they establish. Uh, so uh, meanwhile, back in the north, uh, Enderhaven is uh, established by 2,000 Dutch settlers, so another Dutch colony, as a port, and this will be very important to the island. In August of 1694, British settlers sponsored by the Dutch arrive on the island of Pipelon, which is another small one, like, just off the coast, okay. basically. And uh, the British established Pipelon Township, of course. So uh, the island is officially uh, named uh, Oh, which is basically the word for island in Dutch, Nice. And the word for territory in Latvian. Nice. Translates to island territory, but neither knows this really. Uh, so the NDN LSE established the Gibatoria Commerce Advancement Council, but this is only in the north. And the English aren't involved in this. It's just the, the Dutch and the Latvians? Correct, okay. actually. But the British thing is going to become a problem right now. So in 1700, small inland British settlement of Quinn. Th- this is in the north becomes the primary trade center Ah. because it's kind of forested, kind of in the plains, and it diverges at this point to where trade can really come in. Okay. So the uh, GCAC, 
uh, which is what was just created, decides to create five new settlements to rival Quinn. Oh. So the GCAC kind of operates sort of governingly, but also as a, how do I describe it? Like philanthropy kind of thing. <laughs> philanthropy. Yeah, philanthropy? They're just going to be doing a bunch of charitable Like if you acts? join, you can vote, and your town can choose to be part of the GCAC, okay. which is the governing body, essentially. Yeah. So uh, they create these in 1702. The first uh, in 1703 is actually cooperating with the British, ironically, because the British were not too happy about this. The settlers, Britain actually didn't have direct involvement Mm -hmm. at the time. So in April of 1704, a settlement is formed 10 miles from Quinn and named Zekisieta for uh, how quickly it was built. Uh, One man wrote, it was as if a blaze had come through and completely built it. Wow. Remember that. Remember a blaze because it translates to Blazer City. Nice. Which looking back was such a stupid name. Um, I think that's epic, man. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, In 1704, Mark City becomes the second GCA settlement. And it, so basically, we have in the north, we have Quinn and Zekaseta in uh, kind of the south little corner. And Mark City is established north, north, Mm -hmm. uh, west of it. I like how all your cities, it's really easy to tell who founded them. Oh, like yeah. Quinn, the English, like Endhoven or whatever you call it. Definitely, definitely Dutch. Yeah. Then we have the ones that just sound very threatening. <laughs> and you're like, yep, that's definitely. So independent British settlers back in the South create the David's Revent, which is kind of like, hey, we're all a part of this. All our settlements are part of a Revent. Uh, we'll do group governing and stuff like that. So this is kind of different from the GCAC, okay. which is the main governing body. So these revents are much more uh, hands-off, okay. but like in times of strife, like if there's a famine, it's more of a band together kind of thing. And there's little governing at the beginning. So in 1707, Krugville uh, is actually a Dutch settlement, but it was abandoned by the British. Mm-hmm. Partners with the GCAC to become their next one because it's on the coast. Oh, okay. yeah. It's the first one on the west coast in the north, east coast in the north. So that's very big. Uh, so then in May of 1708, silver and copper are discovered in north central of Gibatoria. Uh So in July 1708, Krugville becomes the third GCA colony. And in 1709, Hussington is established near new mineral deposits that I discussed just earlier by the GCAC. Oh. So now we have three of the main ones. So yeah. they, they form a triangle almost in shape okay. from where they are. And they decide to connect them with these roads called the Tracionian. Uh, highway system mm. to interwine trade because you have ores coming from Hossington. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of trade negotiation with ports in the north with Mark City. And then you have another trading center that is uh, Zekiseta, which is also connected to Quinn, which has now been dwarfed by uh, Zekiseta. So in August of 1710, northern and southeastern settlers finally meet mm-hmm. in Shama to discuss the third wave, which is coming, of settlers. And November 1710, settlers organized to have the third wave land centrally between the two because it had basically remained undeveloped Mm -hmm. because there was no real economic advantage to going there. But it was seen as really good farmland. Oh. But there was no point going out real far where no one's going to buy your crops. Mm -hmm. So they figured they'll be sustainable in between. And uh, so settlers organized that. And the fourth wave is planned to land on uncharted west side of Chebatoria. Nothing is known about the West Side for the most part. Ships have gone by and done some surveys, but nothing's really known. So Riverland becomes the fifth and final settlement because it's actually this river that run cuts the corner 
a okay. bit and runs into this lake. So it can actually have inland trade now. Oh. So that's it's that's a final GCA settlement. So uh, on October of 1715, third wave makes landfall and meets representatives from both settlements. And they name the town they make Unionson. Because, get it? It's a union. Yeah, I'm real, I'm real creative here. These are great names. And it's a British and Dutch settlement. It's actually the first uh, wave that isn't predominantly uh, Latvian. So this is a joint venture from the British and the Dutch? So basically, the British uh, and need the partner with the Latvians. Because okay. it was kind of difficult getting Latvians out of Corland. And a good portion would die going mm. from the very far side of Europe to South America. Yeah. Which the... Panama Canal wasn't even built yet, so they'd have to mm-hmm. land in Venezuela and, and then, then travel by, d- however, yeah. to Colombia, and then get sold, sailed over, sold over <laughs> the Latvian <laughs> trade. Uh, so the fourth wave ally arrives in. What did I write? I write. Oh, the fourth ri- wave arrives in Colombia, the country okay, of Colombia, yeah. and I'm like, what am I talking about? <laughs> uh, so January 1724, Holland. Dissolves the NDNLC uh, due to a lack of profit. So three years prior, they had sent a survey of the area. And they realized all the export and profit is making the island self-sustainable. Okay, It's not really a place of international trade because we haven't profited off it. And they also kind of realized at this point the Latvians are just basically getting people out of Coraland for the most part. Uh, So... The fourth wave is the first to hear about this, and they're trapped in Colombia right now. Mm-hmm. So they have to partner with former American colonists. Ooh, there's American colonists? and Yes, because ah. uh, that's kind of important later. So in December 1724, GCA completes three roads connecting Mark City, Hossington, and Zekiseta. That's that Trussian highway tr- system I was okay, talking about. Yeah. I brought it up a bit too early. Uh, the fourth wave of settler makes landfall on the west side of Gibatoria. And in March of 1725, word of the discontinuation of the Indian LSC reaches north and southeastern settlements. So this causes a big problem because mm-hmm. they don't know how they're governed. Because technically they're not a country of any sort. Yeah, They're not even like colonies. Because mm-hmm. each town basically works completely different from the other depending on where you are. The southeast governs differently. Like the British Revents. Oh, yeah. There's all these different... The uh, central governs differently. The north governs differently. And uh, the west is going to govern differently. Uh, So uh, word of discontinuation reaches in March of 1725. And delegates from over 89 settlements meet in Unionson to establish leadership. So in August of 1725, south, eastern, and central settlements decide to group settlements into those revens. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have actual governing power now. Okay. Uh, so in September of 1725, Western colonies create a delegation of settlers to make governing and legal decisions. Mm. So this is kind of like if you had a legislature, but also with your court system. Oh, yeah. Okay. So uh, that's kind of interesting. So in October of 1725, Northern colonies reformed GCAC into a more governing body responsible for infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Because they just built those roads. And they're like, we know this now. We know what we're doing. So in 1727, central colonies have issues with cooperation between Revens, uh, which is not good. So in 1727, uh, no, no, 1728, GCAC begins correlating infrastructure. 90% of Northern Settlements partner with the GCAC. Mm-hmm. The only ones that really didn't were the like more predominantly British 
Uh-huh. But English is becoming such a bigger language because British trade ships oh, would come in yeah. occasionally. So in schools in the GCAC, they would actually teach, okay, you're going to know English. But like all the other, like the Dutch aren't having any interaction anymore with the island? or uh, The Dutch are, but... It's just not as much as the It's the British. Dutch settlers that were there pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and a few migrate from South America, but it's very little because it's a very hard trip to make. Uh, so in 1730, central settlements formed parvement to increase centralization of revenants, mm-hmm. basically legislation. Uh, the GCAC creates a school system of sorts, but it's very disorganized between towns. But what would happen is basically the idea is GCAC had a suggestion of what kids need to know for trade. Mm-hmm. And they would uh, constantly set that up. So in English was part of that. So in June 15th of 1737, American settlers are ordered to cease their use of slaves on the western side of the island. Oh. Because that, since the LS, the ND and LSC doesn't exist anymore. I haven't been reading it anymore. There's no rules against mm-hmm. slavery. So all 26 settlers pers- possessing slaves refused to comply in June 17th. So June 21st, 1737, Western Legislature, which is now called Tysonmacht, which is a cool name, but also I hate how it gives it a red squiggly because it's not a word, <laughs> makes slavery a offense punishable by force. The problem, they don't have any force. It's on. We're going. All right. So uh, we took a brief intermission of sorts. Uh, so we're, we're back. Revitalized, and the intervision was not halfway through. It's probably we're almost done, folks. We're almost done. I promise. <laughs> I think this is interesting. I think they'll stick around. Uh, I I think. Uh, trust me, if they're willing to stick around, they'll <laughs> stick around. Uh. So anyway, uh, Tyson Mock decided to solve the problem that they didn't have any force to punish these people. By uh, June twenty fifth, seventeen thirty seven, they form a joint armed militia with central settlements. Uh, Parvment. Which so. Let's just briefly talk about like the um, the n- nationalities of the island. Right? Okay, yeah. The so ethnic. predominantly, it sounded like the s- southeast. Southeast was it's so south. So southeast uh, is mostly Latvian. Okay. Uh, it's the most equally mixed one mm-hmm. with Brit- so the British have gone more inland. Oh. Well, the Latvians okay. and the Dutch have kind of more stayed together down yeah. there. Uh, the north is much more Dutch and British. Where are the Americans at? So the Americans basically came in with the West colonies. Okay. But it was so small, but it helped get British backing to send them over. Because, yeah, at this point, they're still British. It's just yeah. they're from the 13 colonies, yeah. I guess. It, essentially, yes. Yeah. Uh, or whatever would have what been in 1737. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, so, anywho... And then the West is kind of more Latvian. Yeah. Uh, so the Dutch don't really have a foothold as like their own like entity. They're more, mostly like lobbed with the Latvians. Yeah, they've lobbed with the Latvians and the Latvians have basically lobbed with the British because the Dutch have the lowest like bilinguency. But the British are learning Latvian? No, no, no. The <laughs> Latvians are learning British English uh. and Dutch. Well, the British are more versed in Dutch. Oh. Because traders... So the Dutch are just like, we're not going to learn any other languages. Well, it, it hasn't really come up for them as much, except in the north, where like they have these schools, and the laws are basically, hey, learn English, because... 
it was also highly speculated at the time that a nation would come in and try to claim them. Oh, what 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 time are we in? Seventeen seventeen thirties. Okay, yeah. Okay. So it's highly it's highly possible because basically you have this very unorganized thing mm-hmm. that's very loosely tied, but all the towns were doing fairly well. So like um, a basic town would have like what in it? So a basic town essentially would have a church of whatever predominantly you were, say mm-hmm. Latvian, and you're going to have more Orthodox, you're going to have a more Protestant one and a Dutch one, a uh, British one, you could have anything really. Anglican. Yeah, Anglican. <laughs> Anglican. Uh, well, most most British leaving wouldn't be Anglican. When you think Quakers, about yeah, you'd have Quakers, uh, Presbyterians, okay, okay. Uh, Wesleyans. Uh, so another thing would be typically uh, some general stores, uh, which would typically be like uh, fur works. Who would would that be? The Latvians running it, or like it, it would be Latvians or Dutch? Yeah, because I I know you were saying that the Dutch really owned them when like the shops when they were in yes. Suriname. So, so the Latvians had usually been the hard labor for the most part. And at this point, has anybody actually been born on the island? Yes, at this point, people have. Uh, we're about 40, 60 years on the island, so okay. pe- people are born. So there's already like a generation. Of- yeah, there's already a growing population of people on the island. Uh, and basically, the idea on expansion was you'll hang out in one settlement. And the idea was people would typically move from one settlement to another when they got of age. Okay. As to prevent, like, inbreeding and stuff yeah. like that. And Iceland. I mean, yeah, <laughs> when you need that app to make sure that you're not, <laughs> that related. You're not related. Oh, gross. Oh. <laughs> you're like, I found the perfect girl, Mom. Uh, and she's like, you that's app? your second cousin, my guy. <laughs> oh, that is, is, is that Angela uh, Michael Dotterson? Oh, no. <laughs> How are they doing for it's Dotterson? Yeah, so Dottier? the son is always like, if you're the son of Carl, your last name's going to be Carlson. If you're the daughter of Carl, you're going to be Carl Dottier. Carl Dottier. Yeah. It's neat. It's a neat Dottier thing. doesn't really sound like a very Icelandic one. It has that weird, like, oh, thingy oh, oh yeah, when you spell it. Where oh. it has, like, the D and it has, like, it, the it line has, like, through the, the top. It has, like, the slash through yeah. it and then, like, the two dots. Yeah, yeah it's, 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 it's an interesting. It's interesting. There's some, there's some weird... <laughs> scripts out there have you seen like ones for there's like, a completely vertical script there used to be um i think mongolia still has a completely vertical script. really yeah yeah when you think about that mongolia is still a fairly they have a navy did you know that they're landlocked and they have a navy they also have a desert what <laughs> how do they have a? it has one ship in a river, please tell me. <laughs> I guess I don't know. I don't just tell me it's like in a port. Of Their naval some... flag kind of looks pretty cool, though. No, I have to look that up now. Uh, so uh, I think we'll get back to things, and I'll try to wrap my head around the Mongolian navy. Some fishing boat with a gun on it. <laughs> Who are you? I'm admirable of the Mongolian <laughs> navy. They must have had some dude at like the Mongolia, you know, like. Well, I mean, you kind of—it's probably maybe like they're trying to prepare if they have like another Mongol expansion, so they can actually invade Japan this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with one <laughs> boat. Nah, but this boat's gonna be highly trained, okay? <laughs> highly trained. Highly trained. It's probably a pontoon. <laughs> it's like a- they use it to like do tubing and stuff, water ski. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I, I just have this image of like those people in Mongolia with the falcons. It'd <laughs> be real cool seeing that. Uh, where was I? Uh, anyway, so a militia. 
uh, to fight the slaves was formed, comprised of 467 men, seized the property of nine slaveholders without any resistance. So, um, are these like Latvian people, Dutch people? These are, these are like Dutch a collection? and La- these are Dutch and Latvian people. And where are they getting the guns from? The English? So, it was the more British? from the north because they had ore production up there. Oh, there's actually like an industry producing guns on the island. Uh, not very well. I, I said there are 467 <laughs> men. I did not say they were well armed. <laughs> Sorry, I just kind of... However, they assumed. would probably be the only people on the island. But like ore production had started to kind of pick up a little. Because like I said, the island really wasn't focused on trade. It's much more self-sufficiently. Because we're like at the start of uh, this. We're like at 1730s. Yeah. So what you said. So we're like at the start of the Industrial Revolution, at least in Britain. Yeah, it'll take a bit for it to hit there, but also they're picking up on like their own production now. Yeah, like, I mean they kind of figured out the they're landscape developing their and stuff. Own industry. Well, actually, the, there's parts of the island that still aren't charted. the west. Uh, the west, uh, the southwest is really untouched, and the central is like that's yeah completely so unknown. There's this the island right that uh-huh. we're talking about right now. Yeah, and then you said there's also other islands around this. Y- yeah, but they're very small and very close. Okay. Like here, okay. I'll actually pull up a map so you can see it. We'll figure out a way so people can see it, but like we'll probably have a social media page or something. Yeah, uh, like that. That's the earth. at least a website. Uh, that's this is a very poor picture, but uh, what did lot. you use to make this map? Uh, it's called Incarnate. It's used for people who want to make fantasy maps. Oh, which is, it's one of those fantasy world builders. Yeah, uh, I did. Those are cool. I like those. I, I, I don't know. It gave so you, what I'm seeing is there's a central island, and then there's. About six, seven, yeah, or something like that. No, six. You're right, six islands that surround it. There's three to the northwest, to the northwest yes, corner. There's be... one to the southwest corner. There's one to the southeast corner, and then there's one to the northeast corner. And the northeast one would be uh, Pipeline, and the southeast one would be Font. Oh, yep, exactly, exactly. So then the other ones at this point have the other ones been discovered? Uh, they're known for the, except for this one in the very, uh, southwest okay. is not known of. Th- these ones over here are, uh, and Ryan, just so you know, that's supposed to be a lake and a river, but the software is very oh. picky about how you make rivers. See, I thought it was just like a basin, like a bay, like a natural bay. Oh, I guess it, it looks like that. Uh, no, I'm real bad at using the software. <laughs> I, I honestly... Um, I, you, this is farther than I've come so far. Uh, well, yeah, sure. I, I've looked at maps at kind of like where I want it to be, oh. but I haven't actually like made a I, map. I suppose that is harder for you because I just created my own island. You actually have to comply to the real <laughs> world. <laughs> it's it's, uh, it's something all right. It's something. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, so uh, they're kind of armed. So uh, Samuel West and three of her slaveholders fire upon the militia because they have guns. Like real Guns. <laughs> yes, real guns, Ryan. Nice. Uh, uh, resistance is oppressed, but the militia sustains 29 losses caused from a fire that they lit. They lit the barn on fire. Okay. They're like, hey, uh, they're in there. Because uh, Oh. And you said how many? 29? 29. Died foreign? to a fire that they lit? No, not that they lit, that the uh, people fighting them lit. Oh, and there's like how many people they're fighting? 467. But they're like spread across, kind of. Like, and they're fighting how many other people? Uh, t- uh, what are the numbers here? Uh, three of our slaveholders. So he three would, slaveholders versus well, four hundred. Well, like they had men. people with them. Like he partnered <laughs> with these three other guys. So there's probably I'd say they'll have ten cronies with them. So that's at least thirty men they're fighting. They're against a t- 
well, there's one also... force that's 10 times the strength of the other force and that force the one that has 10 times strength is losing T- to be fair the other slaveholders gave up with like submitted easily once they showed up with guns so i guess so they, they, they figured this be a cakewalk and then they they were barbecued <laughs> By like that rib plant from, yeah, rib plant. <laughs> from Australia. We're, we're developing that in labs. This is, uh, in this is lore right in, here. <laughs> in 1990, we developed that in a lab in my country. Nice. Uh, so resistance is suppressed, uh, but 29 losses, lowering morale. Of course it would. <laughs> morale was very high. So August 17, 1737, all slave properties are liberated. All 527 slaves are offered asylum. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, however, most of them did eventually end up leaving. Well, I mean, that's honestly, if you were brought to an island that you had no say to come to, I would also the probably The problem kind of was uh, it, there There wasn't much offered in the West at the time, especially. Oh, yeah. It was so undeveloped. So they basically hitched rides with like anyone except the British because they didn't want to risk being taken to America. Oh, yeah. So they usually go through Spain. Okay, and because there's work in Spain, because yeah. they got rid of what's it called the encomienda system or whatever. Encom- encomienda. I remember that this year in like world history. Yeah. Uh, so anywhere way, uh, English becomes the second most spoken language behind Latvian in 1739. In 1742, trade from the Indies greatly increases. So they finally have resources coming in and resources they can give because they've learned to extract the ore. Yeah. And it's also worth noting the central part of the island is more seen, and it's a kind of a plains until you reach a certain point because it's believed that the island was formed when two islands kind of ran into each other no so there's a weird elevation change that causes this canyon like desert oh okay uh so yeah so in 1745 the gca places offices in london amsterdam in greatly improving trade so so these are the the, did you whatever you just said the gmca the gcac yeah yeah those are like the that's the administration of the island. Yeah, those that's, are that's the government. That's, like that's the governing body for the north, basically. The rest of the island, however, but like most of the ports are controlled by the north. Okay, and like the eastern side of the island, the west doesn't have much at this time. Mm-hmm. However, the west will eventually pick up the pace because so you were saying that a lot of the ores is being like exported. Is there any actual internal trade going on between like the settlers? So or? there there is in the north. But ores are now being extracted very low, like iron is mm-hmm. basically being taken in the southeast. And it's getting run up to the, and most of it's being brought to cent- the central coast okay. because they don't have many ores. They're more farming based. Yeah. And then the north is actually has the most variety with some like wood. You know what your your hist- all, your island kind of reminds me of? What? Now that you're, we were talking about like ores and wood and stuff. No, don't say it. Catan. The oh, of oh, oh, okay. I thought you were gonna it, say Minecraft. No, have you ever played Catan? Yeah, I have played Catan. That's that's a, that's a game that I think is um, it's. <sighs> There's so one time I was playing against my brother, and he, we did the we did it so it was like random. So you, you flip it over oh. and then you put your things down. And you flip it back up. Oh man! And he had only sheep tiles the whole game. That game. The whole game. game. He had only sheep tiles. Yeah, that game gets me. Oh. I would fiddle with those things when I forward those tiles. Like, first yeah. time I ever played it, I'm like, what the stuff? Because I didn't want the same tiles to touch. Oh. But you're bound to have them touch. Yeah, yeah. And um, then you have a desert that just appears out of nowhere. <laughs> and there's a, For some reason, there's one 
bandit that lives in it. (laughs) (laughs) That bandit. uh, uh, Anyway, so in 1746, Americans sold the offshore port of Hopkins Harbor, which is that very southwest island, and trade with the Spanish. Okay, that makes sense. This also made it hard for like the slaves, the former ones, to escape. Cause but they, wouldn't the Americans there want to get the slaves back? Well, they would do this by some pretty shady methods. Like, it was expensive. Oh, they would, like... Uh, it wasn't cheap to get okay. to Hopkins Harbor. Uh, in 1749, in the newly settled center of Jebatoria, which is the desert, silver is found outside the Yultate settlement. Hmm. And in 1750, central settlements begin dealing with skirmishes between Latvian and Dutch settlers. Oh no! So for the ethnic most, tension. So the central hadn't actually had. So a bunch of the Dutch moved up from the southeast. Yeah. Okay. But the part they moved out of was predominantly Dutch. So it's not the part where like a lot of Latvian and Dutch cooperation mm-hmm. is happening. And the central is the most predominantly Latvian. So these are like pre- predominantly Latvians versus predominantly Dutch, and they haven't like cooperated ever. And that's why they want to, like... Correct. And plus, these aren't the groups that are being taught each other's languages. Oh, no. So eventually, they start making new colonies, and they run into each other, and this is causing trouble. Um, So in... Yeah, yeah. So it's in 1751, the GCAC begins the New Age Industrialization Program to Mm -hmm. catch up with the rest of the world, because they want to be the powerhouse of South America. Okay, yeah. Because when you think about South America, never really got the whole uh, Industrial Revolution going. And you said this is when? Uh, 1751. Okay, yeah. So it's been going on for a few years, yeah. at least in Britain. In, in Britain, and it's starting to take place in British colonies, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kajin, that was like around the 50s, I think. Yeah, yeah probably. Uh, so November 29, 1752. 43 die in the Limburg Massacre, a skirmish between Latvian and Dutch settlers. Not good. So in December 2nd, 1752, Parliament creates the United Security Service. USS, United States, (laughs) ship, in hopes of curbing violence. So January 12, 1752, the USS sees its first intervention in Jakobsburg. January 19, 1752, Dutch and Latvian religious officials cooperate with the USS to suppress violence. February 27, 1752, the GCAC is having some trouble with its uh, highway system. So I was meaning to ask you, how are these roads like built, right? Are these those weird... W- wooden roads that they had in like the the Appalachia and the no. American colonies or what are they? What so are these? it's mostly flat the area okay. for the most part un- except for Hossington where there's elevation changes and mm-hmm. the ground is very different mm-hmm. so what they essentially would do is set up cobblestone roads in Hossington okay so, so this is just can. like a bunch of pebbles yeah because if horses would stand around too long in carts in certain areas mm-hmm. because it's a peat hinting at a resource that may be in the area later okay they would actually sink the carts oh. would sink into the ground a little, like, okay. and they'd get stuck. Okay. So they had to do this cobblestone thing. And for the most part, they're dug in dirt. Okay. And then there's wood and cobblestone on the side to quit erosion and, like, things from coming in. But the problem is people would take the stones and uh, <laughs> the wood because the area was getting more developed. Mm-hmm. And they were building more of these highways. And while they were focusing on these, they had trouble with people kind of coming in construction sites and whatnot. So uh, they created the... Uh, National Intermodal Security, Ooh. which is kind of weird that they called it national because they, they, they don't have a nation. Exactly. But they plan to get like this highway system everywhere. Yeah. But no one in the other settlements wanted it because they didn't <laughs> think it worked, <laughs> except it was actually doing fairly well. So they 
And plus, there is the risk of getting robbed in this wooded section. So at this point, there's no like trains or anything. No, no over trains there. aren't. Trains are out there. Uh, trains are really were a novelty at this time. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah, uh, they had just like had the steam engine and yeah, yeah, steam the engine UK. had just taken off. But uh, trust me, I'll be adding trains. Trains. Oh. I like trains. <laughs> Can't see it. I'm giving him a very disappointed look. Uh, anyway, so uh, I scrolled up too far. So the NIS is to stop this theft in this wooded area. And they also did some other law enforcement things, kind of. So are these, like, better equipped than that militia earlier? Or like the, how, mil- the militia... Are these being funded? How are they being funded? The militia was a temporary thing, yep. like, in case they needed to, like, people would band together. It's like, hey, you got a gun in case we have some trouble. <laughs> we want you. The NIS is actually something funded by the towns that were part of... So are they being, like, taxed for this, or...? Uh, not exactly. What would happen is the GCAC actually made money off trade so they had certain ports where they would tax ships that came oh, in so kind so like of a, a tariff not exactly so basically you would pay for the space where you would okay. come in okay and that is what mostly funded it but also people would pay dues to the gcac the town would so there would be like little fees basically that for like the protection of the uss or what the nis uh so basically the idea was infrastructure okay because you could build basically what you want but uh we'll put roads in Okay. So, at this point, the theft is stopped, and they basically become the law enforcement in the area. In 1754, uh, some people from France come around. Frenchies. Uh, not to settle, no. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh, we, and, we and they approximate the population is actually 430,000. 430,000? Yes. Wow. That's quite a bit. Because they needed people to, to work... So in 1758, uh, Zakiseta, which was predominantly Latvian, had actually become a lot more British and Dutch. Okay. So uh, they actually got tired of saying Zakiseta because it was very hard to trade with other towns when you had to write on these little forms. Mm-hmm. So they just changed it to the English translation of Blazer City. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got tired of using the name of the town. Uh-huh. So, so this industrial it. program in 1761, Mark City, Vanderson, Blazer City, Harlan, and Thompson become widely industrialized. And the thing about this program is it didn't just work in the north. It also uh, did stuff in uh, the south. So at this point, we're having like, uh, what is like the power then? Is it like water power, hydro power? For the most part, it's coal. Coal, yeah. Because it's being taken from... The mines. That's the only thing being taken from the west and the central at this point. Because they have coal. So what is what exactly what industries are being industrialized here? Is it like the just the like right. fabric and textile industry? Is it also so right now it's lumber is one oh. thing because you lumber was a very lucrative trade inside, mm. especially from the southeast, but from the north it was ores. Okay, and what would happen is the west learned to refine them. Ah, but eventually these would culminate into more production of ships and weapons. Yeah. So if essentially manufacturing became much more important. Ah, and here we are, 1763. Laboit, which is kind of in the central, but also in the south, begins producing firearms and munitions as their primary industry. And 1769, southeastern settlements begin to join Parvment, which is that thing in the central. That's the legislation. Oh. They had the revens, but eventually, like, towns became so need needed trade so desperately they need legislation so now there's like two rival administrating bodies so the gcac kind of 
is different. So Tyson Macht in Parfment, Tyson Macht is the ever governing one, was very effective in how it worked between settling disputes because it also acted as a justice system. Oh, yeah. But Parfment would always have the trouble is, hey, in this Revan, we have a different law. Oh, that's not that's not going to be very. Mm-hmm. So they uh, had some big trouble with that. So uh, Southeaster Selman's joined this to kind of hope to fix this. So in 1768, the Tyson Township begins primarily making ships mm. and parts. Uh, in 1770, French officials request the GCA. 1778? Yeah. So at this point, is the Revolutionary War happening? I think it would. Yeah, yeah it would. So, okay. So are there still Americans there? Well, they weren't technically. They're the British settlers who were in America. Okay. But they came over in the 17, like. So they still, they're like loyalists. They're, they're loyal yeah, to the Yeah, basically ground. to the new, basically whatever they're part of. Whatever the they, They're not very stuff. involved with what happened in America at this so point. So then is like British trade slowing down now that they have to deal well, with. Well, we're about to learn. So French officials request the GCAC send a diplomat to Paris because they have them in London and Amsterdam. Well, uh, they don't like this because Britain and France oh, at this time. Yeah. So 1772, British place uh, pressure on Jebatoria through trade sanctions for French interaction. <laughs> so, yeah, that's not good because the British had basically been very big in the trade, uh-huh. uh, bringing people in from the West Indies. So now they have like nobody to trade with. Except the French who are going to come in and swoop it all up. No. I'm going to tell you, French aren't going to save up here. (laughs) So uh, delegates from Jebatoria meet in Le Boit uh, to discuss British place sanctions. In 1776, which felt weird to write down, (laughs) delegation decides that the Solomons are self-efficient enough to stave off the sanctions. But this is kind of when their trade, foreignly, was taking off. So it really hurt them. So, so then who else would they be trading with? So the basically British? the Dutch. The Spanish? The Spanish a little, but that's just the west side. Really. Yeah. So the problem is the east basically has less people to trade with at this point. Okay. And so basically the west is trading from the East Indies for the most part. Ah. Oh, okay. So the Dutch uh, offer protection to Jebatoria because people are really afraid of a British invasion because okay. they could easily be overpowered. So weapons development and fortifications are being built on the Western settlements because that's now their vital trade area. The wet, okay. And they begin to fortify port cities. So in 1780, Evan, this is another, this is a footnote country. The island nation of Calrissian was one formed by Spanish settlers Oh. who won independence and it's this island. But uh, the Dutch had didn't really like this at all. Okay. Because the Dutch had some small islands by it. They begin to become a regional power in 1787. The Calrissians? Calrissians. Uh, Kels. Calrissian. Kels. They're oh, Kels. Kels. Yeah, they're Kels. Uh, well, uh, they had this uh, admiral, uh, Tiao. He he basically built this navy. Tiao did. He did, but, but like, single-handedly? <laughs> like, organized it oh, okay. for the most part. And, and this actually, is from, like, the actual, like, shipbuilding place here so, on the island? So yeah, parts came from it, but mostly from Spain okay. for the most part, but the Dutch didn't know that. Uh, so uh, Calrissian conquers several Dutch islands. Oh, is, oh they're uh, expanding then. Huh? Yeah, that's not good. So in 1790, Calrissian successfully fights off a Dutch naval assault, which is even more impressive. And Jebatoria settlers begin speculation of a Calrissian invasion now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and joint militias are established in case of an invasion because they're really afraid this is about to happen. So in 1795, GCA begins to plan create diplomatic relations with Calrissian, but they're very militaristic yeah. at the time because not much was really known about them. 
Uh, so militias and diplomats arrive at the port city of Balon in other coastal cities, and they the basic hope was if they landed, you had negotiators. Ah. So the GCAC also starts some cooperation nationally and starts setting up these highways. Too. Okay. Um, so in April 1796, militias and diplomats arrive. On June 9th, a Calrissian fleet arrives outside Balon. So this is what they've been writing for. June 11th. And Balon is th- isn't that the British island? No, it's not an island. It's uh, it's actually. Oh, that's the other. Th- it's in the southwest. Okay. So it's newly settled, and it's actually a pretty big one. It's on a beach, actually. Very pretty. Oh, okay. Very pretty. So then, it, who who's uh, who's basically administration are they landing in? So the the Tyson mocked for the most part. Yeah. Uh, but also some work with the GCAC since they're building a highway down. Because ah. the idea was we'll connect them. <laughs> connect. That way we can get trade everywhere. So uh, Kelship makes landfall two days later, and discussions commence between GCAC and Kel officials. Uh, so June 15, a trade deal is met, as well as Kel military support. And a boy was watching this. His name was Roden White, and at eight years old, he is sent to a London boarding school in 1799. it there ah ah rodin oh rodin he's gonna be very important he sounds like it <laughs> if your name rodin you're very important all, all right. rodins out there you heard it here first all right you should so support the podcast that's yeah <laughs> set up our patreon no, we're not doing that <laughs> tears um so basically that's it for now um so so you got you got a preview of like our our storytelling styles, our writing styles, for that matter. Basically, how it's gonna be looking, um, and what how, you'll be able to look at at some point. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll be trying to set up uh, some way that you can go view the things, and I, I'm assuming we'll probably release them episodically. Yes. So then, like you be like you see, oh, this is for that episode. Like uh, or this my, is for that. My map won't be visible to like people until like most of the cities are developed. To yeah. me, because mine, I wrote the cities down, and I'm too lazy to actually mess with it. So. <laughs> and, and my flag. And you don't have to say it's, you're too lazy. You just gotta say you can't. Oh yes, <laughs> I have a terrible shakes that <laughs> makes me incapable. Anyway, uh, so next episode, uh, which uh, who knows when that will be. I'm. St- I, I think I'm halfway through writing my yeah. formation. What about you? Oh, my formation. Honestly. I, I'd be able to do it in maybe like a week. Okay, I, I could do it too. Uh, most of my stuff was wrote during that study hall period they gave us on Wednesdays. That that was that was neat. Yeah, yeah, that was everyone would talk behind me and here I am. No, I'm making a fake country. <laughs> I'm too important <laughs> for to talk to you. Oh, most of that time was spent on Google Translate taking words from English and Latvian and Dutch. Yeah, honestly, that, that seems pretty hard. Um, let's... Uh, we have we have a little bit of time. What what made you choose Curland's thing? So I knew I wanted my thing to be in South America on this island. Um, so you already had the idea for like an island that you were going to create, but yes. you didn't know exactly what was going to go so, on there. So when I started making the country, I basically started from a viewpoint of today. Basically, okay. uh, the problem was I had basically gone buck wild thinking of ideas for the 20th century ah. uh greatly neg- neglecting how it actually got there so originally i'm thinking uh it can be dutch <sighs> however i realized that didn't make much sense uh then i kind of learned about the 
Coraland colony, and I'm like, that'd be real cool if I had his Latvian. Yeah. So, um, if you for the, for the listeners, the person who brought up the idea of this was actually Eli to do this podcast, to do this nation writing thing. Yeah, we'll um, be trademarking it. <laughs> I'm just saying. So you had these ideas. Was this before or after you suggested that we do something like this? I kind of knew I wanted to do something like this. I had some ideas. Uh, I always, I, I think at some point I thought, hey, what there's this island nation, this such and such like historical events happened. Yeah. But like apart from that, no, it's not this thought out. Uh, the the hard part about what's the hardest part for you about writing these? Oh, uh, honestly, I I I thought the like getting there was pretty easy. Obviously, I pulled a little bit of incompetent. I put pulled out the incompetent card, and I'm like, oh, they just ended up there, and. From mine, I didn't really use that many uh, actual figures from history except Salt, the Sultan, Samil, and Suleiman. And I did, I just, I just kind of, at this point, I'm not going to do any spoilers. But yeah, at yeah. the point that I'm at now, which is a little bit after the founding, a little bit after the buildup, that seems to be, because then I have so many options of where this could go. Oh, yeah. So then I'm like... What 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 direction do I take? So for me, I think I only mentioned one historical figure actually, like who is real, and that was Jacob. But he got like a little. What about that guy who discovered the islands? Was he actually real? No, he was not. No. Uh, that was a name I pulled out of nowhere. Uh, yeah, Jacob Tibbing. Uh, I don't think that's a last name even. Oh, it could be. Yeah. There's probably some tibbing out there, like shaking their fist. It's a real name. Uh, <laughs> You're making a lot of enemies what's with this really podcast. Fun, what's actually really fun is coming up with some fake historical figures. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, I, agree. I full on wrote out a list of presidents. Like, I, I'm not announcing the name of the country till like it's actually found. What I would suggest you do because I did it. I don't know if you already did it. Was I made a vote? I made a Google Doc that has all this words that I created oh on to say gosh. what they mean. So oh, I know that I could go. And then also, since some of them have special like characters, I can just copy paste from that and then put it into the actual doc. Oh, that's real neat. Uh, and that probably, if we do end up getting like a web page or social media, that will be released. If you like need a reference to see like, hey, what are they talking about when they say this? Yeah. That will that'll be released. Then. And some like outline and whatnot. Um, so next episode will be the founding of our countries. Which is yours. Uh... So the thing is, uh, I should bring this up. If, like, say the country is founded before 1850, you just work your way up there. Because that's when yeah. we'll start the decade progression. Yeah. And plus that, another reason I did it is because I have no clue what to write for that. Because, <laughs> like, I, I started so hard. I'm like, oh, my gosh, so many awesome things can happen with the 20th century. I, I don't follow the Industrial Revolution yeah. or the colonization of South America. That's another reason I chose South America, because it's a very overlooked region of history. Yeah? You think so? Well, like... I feel like... Yeah, well, we're taught as a very Eurocentric... Tell Euro me what centric. happened in South America in the 1800s, right? 1800s? Does Simone Bolivar ring any bells? Okay. I, I <laughs> should have thought about that. 19, 1900, right? 1900? Does flat out year 1900? 1900s. Like Panama port- Canal ring any bells? Does the PRI in Mexico ring any bells? Technically, bounce? Panama Canal, I guess, is <laughs> North America. If it uh, does, uh, okay, well then at that point, I that's really it. Um, yeah, they they had wars b- b- in b- South America, Brazil, Brazil. World War One. Br- br- I forget they fought. Every I think they sent like a couple of volunteer forces, but they didn't have like a, a big thing. Did they even know a war was going on? Those guys that got <laughs> sent? They're like, yeah, they're doing something in Europe. <laughs> we think it'd be real cool if you were. And I mean, you, did you know that Mexico was actually the first ones to like call out Nazi Germany? 
they're like the first ones who were like Anschluss. No, you suck. We hate you. I gotta think Mexico had much bigger fish to fry. Well, I mean, at that point, they had a very uh, left-leaning government, so they're like. Actually, to be fair, Mexico, Mexico wouldn't have been that bad in the 1940s when you think about like cartel hadn't been a problem then. Well, a lot. I could talk about Mexico all day because I just watched a three-hour documentary oh about their history. <laughs> but uh, a lot of Let's stuff. Let's hope we never bring on. up the Balkans and Mexico in the same day, or or, or Turkey. <laughs> but no. I'll be breaking that up a lot, so there's uh, probably well, yeah, be. you have to bring up Turkey. I I couldn't tell you anything about Coraland except I used part of their coat of arms. Yeah. So. Uh, that's that's the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so next time will be the founding. Uh, we'll see you. We'll, we're gonna figure out how to turn off the thing now. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you then.